When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello and welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast. If you've yet to check out premium membership, Please do, as there's a mass of tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full-page directory listing, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of Flying Solo's best-selling book, and much, much more, all for just $99. Head to the join page to find out more. Now, today, I'm delighted to be speaking with... Kate Christie, who runs Time Stylers. Now, I met Kate at Flying Solo Live a couple of months ago and was mightily impressed with her presentation. Delighted to be speaking with her today. She's a self-proclaimed time investment advisor. So, Kate, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, share with Flying Solo. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Oh, well, thank you. Well, look, it's, it's, uh, it's so important, um, the, the work that you do. And, uh, you know, we know at Flying Solo from research that we've done, or going back to 2008, that uh, right up there is the number two hot button, is wearing too many hats, just having too much to do, overwhelmed with all the stuff of business. So I think if there's a group that need a little more time uh, or need to use their time more efficiently, this is the group. Now, you have some pretty strong opinions on how we manage time. So let's get kind of straight into it. What's your view on all this? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess uh, it's very true. I, I am uh, mightily opinionated on on time management. It's something that we need to move away from. We need to start embracing a mindset that it's not about managing our time, it's about investing our time. Mm. And ultimately, we need to think of our money, uh, sorry, our time, the way we think about our money. It's a precious resource. We have limited amounts of it. And so we need to start investing it with intent for the greatest possible return. Mm, that's a lovely way to look at it. And I guess it, um, are you suggesting there then that that we sh- we just cannot manage it or it's not so much that we can't, but there's a better way to approach our view of time? Yeah, I think it's it's about, it's a better way to think about how we deal with our time. I believe that the concept of time management is very negative. People will often talk about, oh, gosh, you know, I need to manage my time better or I'm not managing my time well. And and they say it in a way where they're criticising themselves and their ability to actually get things done. And so if you flip it around and approach it with a mindset of, well, I'm not managing my time, I really need to invest my time. So where am I going to invest it? And it becomes a different 
discussion in your Mm. head. And it also raises your time to a different sort of level of consciousness where you're then consciously thinking about your time. How am I going to invest it today? What's the next best thing for me to invest it in? And it allows you to approach your time and how you're using your time in a much more positive way where I feel that you've got greater control then over where you spend your time. Okay, so look, I, I, I love the concept. I guess the thing with this, and uh, and having heard your presentation, I know you're a very practical person. You you sort of translate your, uh, let's say, your theories into things that we can kind of work with. So I'm liking and I'm thinking of a listener listening to this going, yeah, okay, I can get that I need to be shifting my kind of relationship with time. And I need, and I love that notion of, of thinking of it as investment. But from on a sort of practical day-to-day basis, let's say someone's hearing this and going, okay, as from tomorrow, I'm going to shift. But how does that manifest? What do we actually need to do to kind of turn that into a, a reality? Mm, yes, absolutely. That the, the the concept I've spoken of just now, it's it's really just a mindset piece. You then need a uh, a a whole heap of or a whole list or a whole pool of strategies that sit behind that to allow you to make it as easy as possible to then invest your time. So everything from firstly understanding what's challenging you, what keeps tripping me up, what's getting in the way, and often that will be um, something that you're repeatedly doing Mm. because we're creatures of habit. So you will get up today and perform the same tasks in the same order that you did yesterday and the day before and the week before and the year and 10 years before that because we're creatures of habit. So it's the first step is really about sitting down and identifying exactly what is challenging you, what keeps tripping you up. You said at the start you have a a heap of research at Flying Solo around the challenges that uh, your listeners face when it comes to time and it will be things like, I have too many competing priorities or I'm um, bombarded by emails or I have too many meetings or I can't focus on developing my business because I'm too busy on the treadmill just trying to run my business. So Mm. it's about sitting down and understanding and identifying very clearly the four or five things that are constantly tripping you up. That's the first step. Yeah. Can I just um, just let me jump in there for a sec? So, and is this something, I know that you do this in a uh, very much in a consultative basis and you have a number of tools and and products and services that, that you offer people, but for somebody wanting to do this by themselves, mm-hmm. is it is in your experience, is this a practical thing? Can we, are we able as individuals to stand there and really think about our time and kind of nail those challenges aren't we don't we naturally start coming up with oh yeah but you know I need those meetings and I need to check that inbox and Mm. how do we how do we kind of make sure that we really listen to what we're saying to ourselves I suppose is what Mm. I'm saying yeah look of, of course everyone can do this by themselves absolutely because it it really depends on how badly you want to change But ultimately, I guess where I come in or my business comes in is that anybody can do this by themselves. But if you feel that you will get there faster, 
or with more certainty or at pace, then that's when you bring in someone like me. So the analogy I always use is that if you want to get fit, you know, you you can jog around the block. You know you can get up every morning at 6 a.m. and go for a jog and make yourself do it. But sometimes the motivation's not there or sometimes you just don't know the right exercises or you don't know the right way to go about it and that's when you get a personal trainer. Yeah. And they say, do this, one, two, three, four, I'll keep you accountable, I'll actually make you jog around the block faster than you thought you could and then you'll do 20 you know, push-ups at the end. So that's where the trainer comes in. So absolutely everyone can do this for themselves. Mm, okay. But if they want to get some guidance and help, that's when they get a coach. Yep, got you. Okay. And this is clearly something I think that, um, you know, as we know, this is, you know, both you and I know, and and we know from the research that we've done, that uh, this is such a big issue. And and yes, unfortunately, what, what um, constantly happens, I find, is that we, it's easy to convince ourselves that, um, you know, we're busy, we need to be busy. But mm-hmm. how, how when we, uh, and you, you sort of partially answered this already, but I just want to go a bit further. When we, as a business person, when you sit there and, uh, you know, and you and I can say the problem is people are trying to wear too many hats, but then to somebody who's in this position, in, in this struggle, their view is, well, I've got to wear so many hats because I do everything. Mm-hmm. So when we've gone through this and we look at our sort of challenges, what are those things that are stealing our time or not allowing us to work where we need to work? How do we then sort of quell or answer that little voice that's saying, yeah, but you've got to do this? Mm. So it's once I, I as, and you said it yourself at the start that I'm, I'm very sort of practical. And so I approach this at a very practical level. Data is king. And so my answer to that is get the data. So sit down and map your time. Map a couple of days of your time from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed in five to ten minute blocks of time. So it's very tedious, hell yes, but the data you get is amazing. And I'm a very firm believer that, as I said, data is king. Once you have the data, it's very hard to dispute that. So you've mapped your time and you've got the data that says I am spending 80% of my time in a reactive way. I'm jumping from one thing to the other. So, yes, I can see that I'm wearing all these hats. And up until now, I've thought that I have to wear all these hats. But now I've got this data set in front of me that's telling me that I'm actually not getting the right work done. Mm. So unless I make a change, I'm going to be the little rat on the treadmill (laughs) forever. So I actually have to look at that data and make a decision that I'm going to change this. I cannot afford, my business cannot afford for me to continue to wear all the hats. So let me use this data and work out exactly which hats I should be wearing and then I'm going to work out which hats I'm either going to reject and not do at all or bring someone in to help me do them. And often the, the objection to that is people say, well, I can't afford it. I can't afford to outsource yet. And my answer to that is, well, you can't afford to continue to do all of this stuff yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that balance of um, can't afford to versus can't afford not to, isn't it? And sometimes I think 100%. so often in, in small businesses, we, we, get to, we get to that crossroads. And, uh, and often, usually, the correct response is if, it, if it's falling into the can't afford not to, then 
that's the time to bite your bullet. And that's often where growth and evolution happens, isn't it, when you do that's that? That's right. That's right. And ultimately, yes, you're in small business, but that doesn't mean you're an, an expert at every single component of mm. your business. So you, most of us went into small business because we had a fantastic idea for a product or service that filled a niche, uh, filled a want, solved a problem, and we're good at that. But that doesn't mean we're also really, really great at IT, accounting, the legal aspects, uh, the social media aspects, sure. the administration aspects. You can't be the best at everything. And so oftentimes it makes sense to identify the tasks or the functions that you aren't an expert at, that someone else who is an expert can do faster, better and cheaper than you. And they're the tasks that you should outsource so that you're freeing your time up to do the stuff that you are an expert at. Yeah, got you. Okay, I'd like to just ask one other question because it's something that I've done some work with this with clients in the past and I have my opinion but I'm, I'm much more interested in yours. <laughs> when you actually come to plot what you do in a, and as you say, in a couple of days, and sometimes I think depending on the business, you know, maybe it can be more than a couple of days, but in your opinion, what's the best way to do that? And, and what sort of increments do we do it? Do we have a look at what we're doing every 15 minutes? Do we do, do we do it at the end of an hour and look back at what we've done? Do we capture it um, by hand in ye oldie schooly handwriting? Do we do it in a document? Do we use an app? What's your, what's in your experience is the best way to capture this sort of stuff? Look, I'm going to answer that in two ways. In my personal experience, in terms of myself, I am a good old fashioned pen and paper girl. So I will just sit down and write it down on a piece of paper. And what I then do is that I um, will jot down every time I'm changing a task or every time I'm flipping or juggling a task. So if I'm working in a single focused, concentrated way for 20 minutes, then I won't jot anything else down. But if I then go into my next 20 minutes and I'm interrupted three times or the phone goes, they're, then what, they're the increments that I jot down. The second way I'm going to answer it is that in terms of other people and what they should use, ultimately, I think pen and paper is the best, but find the tool that works for you and then just stick to it mm. because ultimately, you want the data. So, you work out the best way for you and your personality and, and what you like to do in terms of capturing that data, um, but the key is to get all of the data. What people find when they map their time in this way and people are often in my experience you know my clients are often taken by surprise by how many times they uh, transfer into a new task and also how many times they're interrupted from the task that, that they're doing so it's key to capture those changes in tasks and it's also key to keep a running record of the number of times you're interrupted including self-interruptions because 70 percent of interruptions uh, by yourself. What do you mean by that exactly? So interruptions will come in the form of um, people. So you may have a team or you may have clients or family around you and they interrupt you. Interruptions can come in the form of devices. So your phone may ring. Interruptions in terms of self-interruptions is where you are distracted or you consciously choose to jump into the email that's just pinged in the corner or you sit 
and you're in a task, but you think, oh, I'm just going to check my social media or I'm just going to jump into my phone and make that call okay. or I'm just going to check, make a decision. Or, oh, there's a butterfly or there's a bird, you know, so they're where you self-interrupt. Okay, that's interesting. That, that's a good point. So because I remember last time I went through this exercise myself and I do it periodically and I, like you, I must say I do it just by hand. I just write, write design a little sheet in a word doc, print it out with sort of 15-minute increments, and I just write maybe a word or two, just what am I doing? And as you say, if I'm doing the same thing for an hour, whoopee, then I don't write anything. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's interesting that the way you look at that is, is so if you're distracted by an email going off ping or a phone or a text message or something, it's you put that down as that's you distracting because you choose to look at it. It's not you don't put it down as it's not a text that's distracted you. You've distracted you by letting yourself look at the text. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and it's in really important to capture that because I, I talk about it in terms of those those time maps that you keep. It's it's an audit. It's an audit of how you're spending your time. Yeah. And I look at it in terms of saboteurs. So there there are going to be people around you who are sabotaging your time, but more often than not, you're going to be self-sabotaging. And so by keeping the record of your time maps in that way, you then get a picture of, oh, my God, look at this time map today. I've actually self-sabotaged 30% of my day. Hmm. And Hmm. that then brings to the forefront a habit that you then need to consciously try and change. Yeah, and isn't isn't it the truth? I don't know whether whether your sort of 30% was was a made-up figure or not, but... It uh, strikes me as probably not uh, unreasonable for somebody who really is struggling with time. Is it, it? It can be that much, can't it? It absolutely can, yeah. and it also leads into the the other thing that is a clear thing that people will see, or your listeners will see from those time maps, which is a a very quick takeaway. It's a quick fix, and and they will see time come back into their day as a result of making this one change. Is that? Um, the maps will give them a sense of how often they're multitasking during the day. Mm. Now, multitasking can be as simple as uh, me sitting here and talking to you. If my emails were still switched on, then as I'm talking to you, I'll see them flashing in the corner. So my eyes are, would be drawn to that. And that's a, that's a simple example of multitasking. So if people are doing that consistently throughout the day, or, you know, people who aren't on their emails and they're running a small business, which is maybe face-to-face customer interacting, but they've got their phone in their pocket and it's buzzing and beeping and that, again, is multitasking. When you are multitasking, your productivity goes down by 40%. That's terrifying, isn't it? I remember you saying that in your talk. Yeah. So if your listeners are in the habit of having those distractions that are just running continually in the background on a loop, for the whole day, then at the best, they're only ever working to 60% of their productivity. Mm, wow. So a very simple fix for this one is to batch time into your calendar to single focus on the task at hand yeah. so that you can give 100% of your focus to that task. Your productivity will increase exponentially. Yeah, okay. Brilliant. So look, let's... um. Let's just imagine then that we've we've gone through or we've, yeah we've gone through this exercise. We've um, done a sort of map of our time. We've uh, probably then had a good lie down and a cry for a number of hours as we realised <laughs> how much of our time appears to be going on sort of inconsequential stuff. 
So now we're getting to a picture of, okay, what am I, where are my priorities? How do I bring those more into my work? How do I delegate or stop other certain tasks? Kind of, is, is, is that it? Or, I mean, you've mentioned there are blocks of time, which I personally think as well is such a wonderful way to work. Are there other strategies that we should use so that we really can kind of uh, weld in this whole notion of, of time investment? Mm, yeah. So once you've got your maps, what I would encourage your listeners to do is then to re- review those and to categorise each task or each item as either a must, a want, a delegate or a reject. And your musts are the things that you've got to do, only you can do. Uh, your wants are more non-work-related wants. So have a look at your maps. Is there anything in there that's nice for you? You know, a jog, a date night, hanging out with the kids. Um, and, and what your listeners will find is that there's very few wants on their lists at the moment. Your delegates and your rejects are the two categories where you're going to find all of your lost time. So the rejects are going to be things like, I can see that I can reject multitasking. I can see that I can reject, um, from a home front perspective, I can reject standing in front of the fridge for 20 minutes every day wondering what I'm going to make for dinner. So they're the habits that you can get rid of. Your delegates or your outsourcing are where you can identify the things that you're doing that someone else can do for you. So that's the next step. What I'd also encourage people to do just to really lock in this mindset of wanting to invest their time is to then cost out their time. So allocate yourself an hourly rate. For some of your um, businesses, that's going to be very easy because they'll charge by the hour. For others, a good approximation is just to divide your business and your business income by the number of hours you're working. That's going to give you a good sense of your time. Sure. Yep. Then you look at some of those tasks that you're performing that you're thinking, oh, I really need to be doing those. I need to be wearing every hat. And you look at those and apply those one of those cost lenses, the financial cost, and you soon make a decision, look, it's really not, you know, if I'm I'm if my time's worth a hundred dollars an hour and yet I'm in social media an hour a day just faffing around, that's thirty-six thousand hours of my time mm. a year. Um, the other costs are opportunity cost. So if I took that hour, what else could I be doing with it? Mm. I could have won a client. I could have um, developed a new product. And then there's emotional cost in terms of whether you feel good or bad about your time spend and there's physical cost. So that's the next step that I would take in terms of making the decisions. Look, I think that, you know, that uh, must want delegate reject is 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 a wonderful model to use. And I can imagine going through those those um, you know those data sets and putting everything through that, and I think then translating that into dollar value. I mean, again, what a what a powerful way to do it. In your experience, when someone, you know, and I'm sure people must come to you in a state of some distress, you know, where they're just not getting the things done that they need to be doing. They're not giving the time to the things that deserve their time, and often, sadly, as we know. That can be family time and loved ones' time. You know, that's the stuff that often goes out the window. Or holidays. You know, how often we speak, do we speak to small businesses who've not had a holiday for three years? That's, mm. that's, that's not right. That's not why we started mm. our businesses. Mm, exactly. So in your experience, someone who comes to you maybe in that, in that sort of state and you've taken them through this process, and I'm sure there are aha moments and light bulbs going off, um, you know, profusely during that period, 
how successfully do people stick to that or how but you know conversely how ingrained sometimes do our bad habits prove to be and what mm, i what yeah. i mean by that is do we fall back into our bad habits or in your experience when people have been through this sort of process are they changed beings <laughs> yeah okay so it's it's an iterative process so it's something that i once you learn how to do it it's something that is repeatable and I would encourage you to repeat it every year. And so it's like you look at your business goals annually and you adjust them and reset them and so forth. I would do this on an annual basis because old habits die hard. And so in my experience, I think that it would be reasonable for me to say that on the whole, most of the new good habits stick and they stick very easily because people see the enormous benefit of changing the way they invest their time. What does tend to happen though is I would estimate that probably about 30% of the old habits creep back in and that's why it's just good to, as an individual to give yourself a little bit of a booster, a booster shot every 12 months just to um, up your immunization and, and yeah. to make sure that you are back on track. Well, look, I think that's, that's very encouraging because I, I was, as I sort of asked that question, I was going, oh, please don't say that people fall off the wagon immediately. Um, <laughs> you know, and you haven't said that. And I think to do a, you know, a reassessment, as you say, annually, um, and maybe for some more frequently than annually, I think is a, is a great thing. Uh, you know, it's a great way to do that. And I, I know that going back, I think back to the early days of, of some of my business, when I, particularly with meetings, you know, I was an independent consultant. I was trying to attract uh, coaching clients. I would run myself ragged, driving all across town, having preliminary meetings with people. Um, and, you know, sometimes they were successful and sometimes they weren't. And it just took me so long before I realized this is just a crazy thing to do. My first interaction with someone should not take three hours. You know, it should be over the phone. It should be, or it should be on Skype or Zoom or something. Um, And gosh, that made such a difference when I had that realization. And And I'm sure for people listening, when they go through some processes and look at some of the real culprits, and you mentioned social media, and let's let's not go down that rubber hole right now any further. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it can be a big one, and uh, so I think that's very encouraging that um, that these things do stick, and that our job as business owners is just to constantly review it. So um, now I must tell you that I there's one quote that is constantly whirs around in my mind, and that is from Bertrand Russell. And he said, the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that. And mm-hmm. when I'm tink- tinkering around in junk shops or I'm momentarily lost in some obscure area of eBay or Gumtree, um, <laughs> good old Bertrand is in the background saying, the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. He's going, so, go for it, Robert, yeah. go for it. But So how do we, how... Is are there any ways that we should approach the time just to be to do the stuff we love? Do we do we how do we assign that? How do we balance that alongside the need to do work? 
Well, look, you said it yourself that as small business owners, we made a lifestyle choice. We went into business because we wanted to be our own boss. We wanted to live and love our passion, but we wanted to have time to do all the awesome stuff that we love doing, spending time with our family, on our hobbies, and their wants. So when I talked about those four categories, your must, your wants, your delegates and your rejects, your wants are absolutely critical. And you initially I would encourage people to schedule their wants into their calendar in batches of time. So just the same as you're going to schedule in coaching calls or uh, writing a blog or running your podcasts schedule in time for your wants initially because oftentimes we have an enormous amount of guilt that we have to overcome. Oh, I should be working or I should be winning another client. Well, hell no, you should be living an awesome life. So schedule time into your calendar for yourself, for yourself, Mm. your me time and turn up because just in the same way as you schedule in an appointment to see your doctor or your accountant or the kid's school principal, you're not going to not turn up. So schedule in time for going to the junk shops and getting lost on eBay. They're wants. Okay, thank you. You've just given me permission and that's all I needed to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Just give yourself permission. It's all good. All right. Kate, thank you so much. So look, um, Kate Christie, if we want to find out more of the fabulous work that you do, the place to go is timestylers.com. And uh, thank you very much for taking time to uh, share with the Flying Seller community today. It's been a pleasure. It was a lovely way for me to start my day. And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you premium membership, has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.